title of my message this morning, I believe, goes right along with Christmas at the movies. The title of my message is Alone on Christmas. Have you ever been alone or have you ever felt alone? You can be in a crowded room and feel alone. You can be in a marriage and feel alone. You can be in a church and feel all alone. But if you know Jesus Christ, he is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. He can be your place of refuge. He can be your strength when you're hurting. He can be your food when you're hungry. He can be your healing when you're hurting. He is Jesus Christ, King of kings and Lord of lords, and he is the one we celebrate in this season. I want to talk to you about some things to remember when you're all alone. You know, the Christmas season, more suicides occur during the holiday season than any other season throughout the year. And we must remember during our festivities and our shopping sprees for our children, that some people don't have children anymore. Some people don't have mom and dad anymore, grandma and grandpa. Some people are experiencing loss, devastation. Some are spending their Christmases in ICU or CCU. And we need to understand, yes, there is a time to dance and there's a time to mourn and there's a time to weep and there's a time to celebrate. But we must always understand our mission and that is that every person would know Jesus Christ and be comforted by him in all seasons. My text this morning is Matthew chapter 2. It starts off talking about the wise men and how they came to worship a king, how Herod plotted a plan to kill this young child. They brought gold, which represents wealth, frankincense, which represents worship, and myrrh, which represents work. And they bowed down in front of this child, and they worshiped him as king of kings. In verse 13 of chapter 2, it says, When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph, the father of Jesus, in a dream. Get up, he said, and take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. You must understand whenever God puts a dream inside of you, there will always be a Herod, a Haman, or a hijacker to kill that dream and to kill your purpose. The final sting of the enemy on this sin-cursed earth is the sting of death. He's been defeated. But in this atmosphere, that's his final blow to mankind. But it's a losing attempt because Jesus Christ got up out of the grave, took the keys of death, and because of Christ, we can walk in victory. We don't have to live in fear. Our hope is in him, and our hope is in heaven. And because of Jesus... We can live, we can serve, we can worship, and we can rejoice even during difficult times. So he got up, took the child and his mother, 
during the night and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, Out of Egypt I called my son. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the wise men, the Magi, he was furious, and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under, in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping in great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. So what do we need to remember when we're alone? Number one is that the enemy attacks during times of isolation. We need each other. We need relationships. We need a church. And in this movie, what I loved about young Kevin McAllister is he's constantly passing by the church. He's hiding from Marvin Harry behind the nativity scene in front of the church. He meets someone he was once afraid of and prejudged in church, and God built a relationship. That's what happens when God's people connect. We weren't meant to do life alone. We need to be with one another. We need to be for one another, praying for one another, crying with one another, loving one another, serving one another. This isolation is demonic. Scientifically and spiritually, God's called us to be together. The enemy attacks during times of isolation. This would not be the first or the last attempt or attack on children on planet Earth. Satan hates the unborn. He hates children. He hates Israel. He hates the Bible. He hates the local church. In the book of Revelation, Satan is described as a dragon standing before a pregnant woman ready to devour her child. Yet we don't even have the common decency or courage to stand up for the unborn in this country. Satan is the father of all lies. That voice in your head that says, you're no good, you're never going to make it, you can't do this, you ought to kill yourself. He is a liar. He is a murderer, the Bible says. He is a thief. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus came that we may have life and have it more abundantly. What I loved about my friend Tim McClure, he loved Jesus, but buddy, he loved life. We had some fun, man. We had some fun. And let me tell you, if you're not having fun as a Christian, you're doing it wrong. The Bible says in John that his joy will remain in us, and our joy will be made full. I tell you, you ought to have joy in the Christian life. The enemy attacks during times of isolation. He lies to you when you're isolated. He, he creates circumstances in your mind that aren't a reality, and you begin to judge other people, and, and you begin to think things that really aren't the way it is. The Bible also says of this devil that he is the author of confusion. 
Whenever you have confusion in your life, that's not coming from Jesus. It's coming from the enemy. So, if we understand the enemy attacks during times of isolation, what is our method to defeat our enemy? In this great movie, young Kevin McAllister, played by Macaulay Culkin, I mean, this kid sets all kinds of traps for Marvin Harry. He's burning their head with irons, and they're slipping and falling on stuff and getting hit by paint buckets in the head. You know, as Christians, we can take the fight to the enemy ourselves. And I don't know about you, but I'm tired of the enemy punching me. I'm ready to punch back, amen? Sometimes you've got to take the fight to the enemy. You know, a lot of people raise their kids. Now, if they hit you, you hit them back. I tell mine, if you think they're going to hit you, get the first one in. <laughs> we need to take the fight to the enemy. Strategy is key in the Christian life. Therefore, put on the whole armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, and if you're a Christian, it's coming. If you're a Christian, the enemy's coming after you. If you have an anointing on your life, if you have power inside you, people to provide for, a testimony to share, the devil's coming after you. And you need a strategy to defeat that liar, that loser. And you need to understand how to take the fight to him. When the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. Stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, Sometimes just standing defeats the enemy. Standing when you're weak, standing when you're broken, standing when you're hurting, standing when you can't talk, when you don't understand. Sometimes just standing shrinks the enemy back in his corner. I remember my dear friend Sue Adcock, member at this church, lost her daughter tragically few months away from being married, graduate of MTSU, brilliant young lady, died of a crazy disease, gone way too soon. It was one of the hardest funerals I've done in a long time. Tomorrow will be just as hard. And after that season, Sue would come to church, and she'd come down the aisle. And she'd say, Ronnie, I don't want to be here, but I'm here. I'm hurting, but I'm here. I don't know if I can go on, but I'm here. When I read that verse, having done all but to stand, stand in your place of grace. Stand in your faithfulness. Stand even if you have just a little bit of faith, stand in it. Watch what God will do with it. Having done all to stand, we need to put on our armor, the belts of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, sandals for the gospel of peace for soul winners, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, and yes, praying in the Spirit, praying, being able to grab hold of heaven because you're so hurt you can't even pray your normal language that you speak and something supernatural happens and takes over, shrieks the enemy back to his rightful place. Strategy 
is key. Survival is critical. Christians were made to survive. God put inside of every human being an ever-living, never-dying soul. And once that soul embraces the gift of Jesus Christ, it never dies. That's why death is the final sting. It's not natural. It's not normal. It hurts because we're here. But for those of us that know Christ, we will survive. And we'll do more than survive. We'll thrive. The Bible says we'll reign with him forevermore. You may have never led anything in your life, but you're going to be reigning with the king one day. The king of the Jews, the king of all kings, and the king of my heart. Surrender is not an option in the Christian life. Say that with me. Surrender is not an option. One of the key words in the book of Revelation is the word overcome. It comes from the Greek word nikeo which means conquer. The Bible says we are more than conquerors. The Nike Corporation understood that when they branded their shoes and their clothing line. Conquer. To conquer. It's what God's called us to do. How do we conquer the enemy? Revelation chapter 12 verse 11 gives us ways we can conquer the enemy. It says we defeat him through the blood of the Lamb. Whenever the enemy comes to attack you, you claim the blood of Jesus. You take that enemy to the cross where he was defeated, where Jesus made a public spectacle of him. Take him to the cross. Take him to the empty tomb. Take him to the Word of God. And you can walk in the victory that is yours. The blood of the Lamb. What else defeats the enemy? It says not only the blood of the Lamb defeats the enemy, the Word of our testimony. There's nothing more powerful than a testimony. When you share your faith, even in your weakness, it pleases God. When you do something for Jesus, even when you're hurting, it pleases God. And the enemy can't stand it. Because even though you've been hit, and you've been beat, and you're hurt, and you're down, you haven't given up. Which shows a level of faith that the enemy can't even understand or identify with. Surrender is not an option. Next, when you're alone, choose to rejoice, not regret. You'll notice in the movie, starts off, he's mad at his family, you know, like we all get. He hates them, he never wants to see them again. But after some time in isolation, he starts remembering the good times. I'm telling you, when you're hurting this morning, when you're in pain, maybe you've even lost your faith. Remember when Jesus saved you. Remember when he healed you. Maybe it didn't work out this time, but remember the times it did work out. Remember the good times. Choose to rejoice, not regret. The Bible says set your hope fully, fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Let me tell you, we have a decision as Christians. We can rejoice in Jesus or we can live a life of regret. We can rejoice in Jesus or we can live a life of regret. I tell you, I like to run with people 
who aren't stuck in the past. Amen? I like to run with people who are focused towards their future, who are speaking faith into other people. I don't want to have to deal with someone trying to tell me what I used to be, where I messed it up. I don't need somebody reminding me of where I've been. I want somebody in my life that tells me where I'm going. Forgetting those things which are behind me, Paul would say, pressing on to those which are ahead. Choose to rejoice and not regret. The shepherds understood what it meant to rejoice. The outcast of society. That's what I love about Jesus. He always goes to the people that the religious crowd wouldn't expect him to go to. He finds women at the well and shepherds in a field and poor people in Galilee that run out of wine. Hey, Jesus is always doing things outside the box because he came for the least, the last, and the lost. And let me say this, just like the woman in Luke 7, those of us who've been forgiven of much love much. And Jesus still understands that this morning. See, a religious person, they don't think they have ever needed to be forgiven. They've got it all figured out, and they know what everybody else is doing wrong. But a saved person remembers where they were when they were broken and lost and hurting. And they remember how Jesus, by his grace, picked them up, put them back together, loved them back to health, and gave them a purpose that they thought they weren't worthy of. Oh, he finds kings in fields and leaders floating down a river in a Nile, the Nile River in a basket. Oh, my God, he can find the undeserving and the unlikely, and he can do something extraordinary with them. We have to make a decision, like the shepherds, to worship the Savior born in the town of David, to worship a Messiah. He's no longer a baby in a manger. He's a king that sits at the right hand of the Father. Glory to God in the highest of heaven. Peace on earth and goodwill to all men and to all those whom his favor rests. Oh, I tell you, how do you know if somebody's kingdom, his favor rests on them? They don't strive for it. It's just there. We have to embrace a kingdom. Number three, things to remember when you're alone on Christmas. You need to be aware of the people that God sends to help you. Sometimes, whether it be religion or our own past hurt, insecurities, anger, resentment, bitterness, whatever it may be, we miss out on opportunities for covenant. We miss out on relationships that were meant to change our life because we were so focused on the same old, same old. We didn't even have the vision to see that God may be sending somebody into our life that could literally change our situation. 
I preach all the time, soulmates, cellmates, and teammates, teammates there for a season, cellmates, people who only celebrate you when you stay in bondage with them, but soulmates, people that God sends you, Jonathan and David, Ruth and Naomi, Paul and Timothy, the list goes on and on, Elijah and Elisha. Sometimes when you're alone, God will send people in your life to help take you to the next level that God has for you. Don't miss those moments with the people God has sent to you. In the movie, Old Man Marley, old Buzz said he was a serial killer, the poor guy. Little Kevin was scared to death of his neighbor, the older man. But there in the house of the Lord in the movie, a wonderful friendship was formed. And it was old man Marley that actually saved Kevin from the intruders at the very end of the movie. And there's a wonderful picture of restoration between old man Marley and his son that he'd been estranged from for years. God is a God of restoration and reconciliation. If you have issues in your family, welcome to the club. Perhaps God wants to restore a relationship in this season. Perhaps you need to pick up the phone like young Kevin encouraged Marley to do in that movie and make the call and say, I forgive you. Perhaps you need to be willing to answer the phone when someone calls you seeking repentance or restoration. We as Christians sometimes can be so doggone prideful that we miss a miracle because we're unwilling to be agents of grace, second chances and restoration. Be aware of the people that God sends you. In the story of the birth of Jesus, you've got magi from the east, weird astronomers. You've got poor shepherds in a field. You've got angels from on high. Mary and Joseph were very aware because of their spiritual walk that God had sent those people to them for a specific purpose with a specific plan at the right time. I still believe in a God that's on time. I still believe that God has people out there for you to help your dreams come true. Don't miss your moment with God. Number four, things to remember if you're alone on Christmas. My advice to you would be to find a place of refuge. The Bible says in Psalm 46 that he is our refuge and our strength, the very present help in our time of need. The church ought to be a place of refuge, a safe place, a place where you can be mended and restored and put back together. Mary and Joseph found refuge in a stable with a manger because there was no room at the inn, but it was their place of refuge. I believe and will believe this till the day I die that everyone should be connected with a local church. I believe throughout the book of Revelation and through the New Testament, you couldn't even be saved. You weren't even considered saved if you weren't connected to a body. And I still believe that the local church, next to Jesus Christ, is our greatest hope in this nation. I believe with all of my heart 
that you need to be connected. Those of you watching online safely, struggling, and those of you here, not only connected, you need to be serving. Sure, a church should put you back together, but once you get put back together, you need to be a part of putting other people back together. You need to find your purpose in this place. This is not a spectator sport. It's a family. It's an army. Verse 22. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took baby Jesus to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord. A pair of doves or two young pigeons. Somebody say they gave an offering. Somebody say that again. Only one person said it. I've done offended somebody. I'm a, I'll preach on the offering again. Don't just, I'll just side, go right down, just jump on that. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. I find it very interesting that although Mary had an angelic visitation from an angel that she would conceive a savior, that she was a product of the miraculous. God was speaking to Joseph in dreams. They still found it necessary to make their way to the church, to do what the law of Moses required, and to give their offering. Some of us charismatic believers that believe in the gifts, we get so spiritual, we're goofy. And we don't understand the basics and the fundamentals of the Christian life. No matter how many moments you have with God, no matter how many times you get caught up in the third heaven, until Jesus comes back, we ought to be in his church. We ought to be bringing an offering. We ought to be worshiping God. You're never above that, my friend. And when you think you're above the fundamental roots of Christianity, that's when you're into heresy. And you need to come back to the things of God. If Mary and Joseph went to church, we can go to church. If Mary and Joseph worshipped and gave an offering, we ought to be given an offering. I close here. Things to remember if you're alone on Christmas. And this will lead me into a series I'll start in January that you don't want to miss. You'll get a little taste of it this morning. Is that dreams do come true. Kevin's wish after fighting off Marvin Harry in this movie was to see his family again on Christmas. And it's a great ending. His dream came true. But I believe that there are some bigger dreams in this house this morning. Maybe a dream of seeing your lost loved ones again when you die. Maybe a dream of 
carrying on and not giving up. Maybe a dream of becoming a missionary or a pastor or a leader or a healthcare professional or a policeman or a fireman or an EMT, whatever it may be, a teacher, entrepreneur. I want to tell you that dreams do come true with Jesus. Dreams come true. You are not alone. The Bible says he will never leave you alone. He will never forsake you. You may not feel him, but he's there. He may not answer you the way you want him to answer you or in the time frame that you've given him, but he's there. And all things work together for the good. For those who love God, who are called according to his purpose, he is Emmanuel, God with us. He is with us. You say, what if you're on the verge of death? What if you're in a hospital room and you can't see your family? David said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, because thou art with me. God is with you, and he will make your dreams come true. You will see your loved ones again if you know Jesus. There is a reunion promised to all believers. We'll see them again, and we'll celebrate with them again. Revelation says he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. No more sorrow, no more pain, no more cancer, no more COVID, no more destruction, temptation, and addiction, no more flesh battle, no more pain, no more struggle. We're promised that reunion. Martin Luther King Jr., after receiving a call threatening the life of his family, depressed, was filled with the Holy Spirit. He quoted that old hymn. He said, I've seen the lightning flash. I've heard the thunder roll. I've felt sin breakers dashing, trying to conquer my soul. But I heard the voice of Jesus saying, still to fight on. He promised never to leave you. No, never alone. If you're alone, you're not alone. You have a Savior who left you with the promise that he's coming back. Stand on your feet. If you need this Savior in your life today, the Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, and that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life, and that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. If you need to be saved, I'm begging of you. Be saved. It's not a religious thing. It's a relationship thing. I'm going to lead you in a prayer, but I need you first just to repent, change your mind about the way you're going, and say, Lord Jesus, touch me. He hears you. He answers you. He's there. You're not alone. But if you need that gift of grace, just pray this prayer with me. Say, Lord Jesus, Lord, forgive me of my sins. Please come into my life and save me. Yes, Lord, please come into my life and save me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and use me for your glory. Use me for your glory.
If you prayed that prayer, I want you to go to our Abbas House app. Connect with our online pastor if you're watching online. If you're in the house, go to our Abbas House app on your smartphone and register your salvation decision. If you want to do it in a simpler way, go to my website, RonniePhillips.org, and just register your decision there so we can help you get started. If you want to join this place of grace, if you want to join a church, if this is your place of refuge, you can also do that online at abbashouse.com on our app. You can become a member of this church. Our online campus, we've got people who are members from Florida and Kentucky and Ohio and Illinois, all, all kinds of places. We've got local folks, members of our online campus. You can do that. And when this passes and you're comfortable, you can attend church in person. I challenge you to do that right now. You need a local church. You need a family. And if God is calling you to this place, don't miss your opportunity. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your grace and your power and your glory. I thank you for the wonderful people of Abba's house, the mission and the destiny you've put on this place. I ask you to be with my friends and family this week. I pray they would have a wonderful Christmas, enjoy our virtual Christmas Eve with their family. Lord, I pray you'd heal the sick, be with Alan Johnson and Joyce Stanley and so many others that are sick. Be with them, comfort them, heal them, and so many others that are hurting in this season. The McClure family, be with them. Be with all of our friends in this city who are hurting. Send your angels to comfort them. In Jesus' name.